Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Tuesday edition of New York, New York. It's John Jastrzemski, yours truly, is live from Manhattan Beach. I, I mean, you don't even want to know the setup I got right now. I am on the balcony. I am overlooking a nine-hole golf course that I'm going to hack up a little bit later on this afternoon. And, and I am in very, very good spirits. First of all, Arizona was freaking awesome. I want to commend everybody that made Super Bowl week possible. I mean, the access we got, the people we ran into, the connections we made. Off the charts. And I, I think the capper today is, and you never want to be this guy. But we're waiting for a flight from Arizona, L.A. I'm seeing my little sister, uh, taking a couple of meetings out here, taking care of some business, a uh, little golf, a little running, not going to lie. But you never want to be the guy to blow up somebody's spot. At least be the first one. If it's me, different story. I'm not a real celebrity. So take it from a different grain of salt. You see me in the airport, you see me at Starbucks, please say hello. If you don't, I'm going to be annoyed. Anyway, we're in the airport, and I'm like, shit, I think that's Charles Barkley. He's wearing a white Nike hat. It's massive. And I'm like, I'm not going to go up to this guy unless I see somebody go up to this guy. I got the picture of Caroline, my sister, and uh, all the NBA on TNT guys. Like, I, I, I had to do it. I had to do it. I see, like, three or four other people do it. 
talk to him, show him the picture. Charles is the nicest guy in the world. And we lamented over the fact that we lost a good chunk on the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. So uh, maybe that brought us together, you know, a little losers uh, coalition, if you will. So Sir Charles, the best. We got to get him on the podcast at some point. Never know who you're going to see leaving Super Bowl week. So there's that. I wanted to throw that out there. Job well done by Charles Barkley. Now, nice win yesterday for the New York Knickerbockers. And I tweeted this out. For those of you who do not follow me on Twitter, shame on you. John underscore Jastrzemski. You're missing a whole lot of great nuggets. Uh, You're missing a whole lot of comedy. You're missing everything that you don't get on the podcast. Like, you get me 24-7-365 on Twitter when you don't hear me three days a week on The Ringer or on Ringer Gambling or whatever the hell we're doing. Um, How did Jalen Brunson not make the All-Star team? I said it when the rosters came out. I'll say it again. I don't care what guards were lining up in the Eastern Conference. Jalen Brunson, with the way he has played for the New York Knickerbockers, with the stat lines he has put up for the New York Knickerbockers, it's ridiculous he's not an all-star. Now, hopefully it will get straightened out over the next couple of days. Kyrie replacement, injury replacements, guys backing up, whatever the case may be. Jalen Brunson should be in Salt Lake City. And he is more deserving to me of being in Salt Lake City than Julius Randle. Julius Randle's success this year is very commendable. I do not believe in my heart of hearts that Julius Randle is having the success he is having without the presence of Brunson, who has done everything for this Nick team. He scores, he gets in the lane, he's drawing fouls, he's hitting outside shots, he's making his teammates better. Oh my goodness! High caliber, high quality point guard play. And had me thinking last night as I watched the Knicks finally end that dopey losing skit they had against the Brooklyn Nets. You know how much I had to hear about that from the five net fans in town? Oh, you can't beat the, can't beat the Nets, can't beat the Nets, can't beat the Nets. Well, uh, so much for that. And now the Nets are in retool mode. The Nets are trying to figure out what's next. And the Knickerbockers feel good about it state of affairs. I know I do. Watching Jalen Brunson, who is the best player in New York City. Oh, by the way, do his thing and work his magic. What's the ceiling for this Knickerbocker team is currently constructed? And it had me thinking because I watched Josh Hort yesterday, who Nick fans, by the way, are absolutely going to love. He's a cool guy. He's all effort. He's all intensity. He's playing to the Madison Square Garden crowd already. He's going to do a lot of those little things. Like, there are certain guys that just fit New York City to a T. Like, you know, certain guys come to a team, and it's like, wow, they're they're perfect. They fit seamlessly. Like, that was the way I felt about Anthony Rizzo. And Anthony Rizzo is a better player for what it's worth than Josh Hart. But he's the sort of guy where I'm like, yeah, born to be a Yankee. Just works, just just fits, just just makes sense. Hart teaming up with his old college pal Jalen Brunson is providing those elements, I think, for this Knicks team. And you can make the argument that the Knicks, maybe at this point in time, as crazy as this may be to say, right here, right now, their best starting five maybe doesn't have RJ Barrett in with the way he has struggled over the last couple of weeks. Or you're I shouldn't say starting five because it's so overrated. Who cares about the starting five? It's about the end game lineup 
the closing time, I want to take you home kind of lineup. Is R.J. Barrett a part of that? As of right now, you can maybe make the argument, no, he's not. That it is quickly. That it is hard. That it is, of course, Randall and Brunson and whatever big you want to throw out there. Preferably maybe Mitchell Robinson when he gets back. But as far as this team, my goal for them as we move forward into February, into March, and into April, you want to be one of those six seeds. The quest for six. You know, somebody gave me a nickname the other day and I already forgot it, so I apologize in advance. That's got to be an objective for the Knicks. They're good enough to do so. They could catch Miami. Brooklyn, I believe, is going to fall out of it and fall back to the pack without Kevin Durant and without Kyrie Irving. So I want to see the Knicks get there. Can the Knickerbockers legitimately win a first-round series? That's my question. I think if you're not playing Milwaukee and Boston, you at the very least have a puncher's chance. Now, let me be transparent. I would not like the Knicks' chances against the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid, James Harden, Maxie, you name it. I, I don't want to play the Sixers. Knicks matchup, let's say, with Donovan Mitchell, Cleveland Cavaliers, that's a gettable, that's a winnable series. That, to me, is what I want to see out of this team. Get into the six and have a chance. Be in play in that first-round matchup. And the more and more I think about it, the more and more I owe Jalen Brunson apologies. And let me make this clear. I always liked Jalen Brunson as a player. I had no problem with the idea of Jalen Brunson becoming a Nick. My question was the roster construction, the contract. Is he making too much? Is he overpaid? Well, first of all, it's like inflation with these NBA contracts. They're through the roof anyway. And Brunson, the dirty little secret, is better than I thought. And I watched him in college. And I saw him play in the playoffs last year. It was impressive. But he's better than I thought. Holy moly, he's better than I thought. Because he's made every guy on this Nick team better. Maybe with the exception of Barrett, because it's more usage for Brunson, less usage for Barrett. But I can't get enough of Brunson. And the idea that he's not an all-star really, really ticks me off. And it really, really bothers me. Now, their car officially got released today. The Saints were talking about trying to swing it, and I, I never understood that from a standpoint of, look, I am no salary cap whiz. I, I was out with all the ringer whiz kids, you know, the Ben Solaks and the Danny Heifetz and the Nora Princiades of the world. I met Ruiz, actually, for the first time. Really, really good dude. I, I mean, these are folks who could give you the ins and outs in the salary cap. That is the, me trying to do that. Listen, we took stats 221 at Syracuse. We got out and dodged. That is never going to be my area of expertise. God, no. If anybody hires me as a capologist at any point, you got serious, serious problems, issues, you name it. But even this rocket scientist could figure out, hey, guess what? The Saints cap situation stinks. Derek Carr is going to command, what, $40 million on the open market? How are they going to make that work? How are they going to figure that out? Never really saw that being a fit before the new year in the NFL gets started. So Derek Carr is out there. And I think if Aaron Rodgers is not the choice, 
And if Aaron Rodgers is not the guy, I think most Jeff fans you talk to, they want Carr. I think Stefan is in that boat. I know Joe Meningo is in that boat. The great Tommy Keenan, my buddy, is in that boat. The great Mike Flegelman, a great Jeff fan, he is in that boat. This report coming out from our pal Connor Hughes today, I would not like this if I'm a Jeff fan. And I lived through it. I was a first-hand source of what I watched. If the Jets pivot from no to Aaron Rodgers is what Connor Hughes suggested. Mm, they really like Ryan Tannehill. Ugh! 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 Gross! Gross, 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 gross. Don't tell me about the playoff games he won. Don't tell me about his mobility. Ryan Tannehill is a descending quarterback. Ryan Tannehill played poorly last year in Tennessee. When they won playoff games, Ryan Tannehill was throwing the ball eight to ten times for 150 yards. And the Jets have talent on this roster. But guess what? It's nowhere close to having Derrick Henry in the backfield. And I like Brees Hall. It's not Derrick Henry running for 2,000 yards. Jet offensive line, not as good as that Tennessee offensive line with Lawan and Conklin, just to name a few. Oh, Tannehill is a terrible pivot for the Jets. That is an absolute hard pass across the board if you are Douglas, Salah, you name it. You don't want any part of Ryan Tannehill, please. That's Jets. Best option, those Super Bowl odds that are 25 to 1 right now, they might as well drop to 40 to 1. And to be real, I think those odds at 25 to 1 are indicating they think Aaron Rodgers is possibly in play. They might even go lower if they get Rodgers. You know, I'm warming to the idea of Carr, and I'm going to tell you why. He's still third on my list. Rodgers is one, Garoppolo is two, Carr is three. Everybody I talk to at Super Bowl week, either former teammates of Carr or guys who were within the business, they were raving about him personally. Legit raving about Derek Carr. That, that opens my eyes a little bit. I have to admit. And at least, at the very least, you know, has me somewhat intrigued. Tannehill's a disaster. I don't care what the price is. You don't want Ryan Tannehill as your week one starting quarterback. Woof. That is an absolute woof. One more thing. And we got a ton of guests from Radio Row. We, we did so much work at Radio Row. You're going to enjoy it this week. Um, we will take a bunch of calls on Thursday. So you want to get those my way. The NBA stuff, baseball stuff, football, whatever's on your mind. We'll do a little AMA. We'll do like a 10-minute AMA. Nothing longer than that. 917-382-1151. I'll be back in New York by Thursday. But I just want to state this because I saw Nesta Cortez. The hammy's a little tight. Opted out of pitching in the WBC. You know what my response is? Thank God. Thank God. I don't want any of my guys ramping it up, going balls to the wall in early March, especially starting pitchers. Yeah, it's, that's, that's alarming. That's concerning. You're going to all of a sudden now ramp up the intensity level when you're at a point in the season where you're normally not ramping it up. I know the Wise against pitching the event. I hate it. 
if I'm a Met fan and they got a zillion guys going, I don't like any part of that. I'm getting haunted. I'm getting flashbacks already to Mark Teixeira in 2013, screwing up his wrist, sabotaging not only the 2013 season, it screwed up the 2014 season. And listen, I'm all for representing our country. Like, it's a great thing. It's a noble thing. But I'm selfish. My priority is not USA's roster in the WBC. My priority is the New York Yankees winning and getting to a World Series, something they haven't done in 13 years. Shame on me if that's more important to me and that's more important to the Yankee brass than the WBC. And listen, I've had my issues with Yankee brass over the last few years. I I think you're all aware of that. I haven't exactly been waving pom-poms about the way they've conducted themselves. In this, we are lockstep. Lockstep 1,000%. Keep the guys away from the WBC. Please. Please, 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 please. Hallelujah for that. One more note. And I guess this kind of comes full circle in Arizona because this was the theme in Arizona. And I didn't mention this Sunday on the live because you know, I was a little salty about that Eagle Super Bowl. I'm not going to lie. I was a little salty about the Eagle defense in the second half and the lack of adjustments. And shame on the Arizona Cardinals for not hiring Lou Anarumo as their head coach. I mean, after what I saw from Jonathan Gannon's defense, uh, that would have not been my choice uh, after I saw the Super Bowl. But be that as it may. How about Derek Jeter going to Fox? Going down the rabbit hole of broadcasting. Uh, good for Fox. I guess they got they got some budget, man. They're putting Brady on the payroll for $30 million a year. I'm sure Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez and Michael Strahan are not cheap. I like the idea that Derek Jeter is going to have an active involvement in the sport. I don't know what kind of broadcaster he's going to be. I think he'll play off of A-Rod well. He'll play off of Poppy well. Burkhardt is a Zen master, so he'll make it all work. This is a selfish theme to the podcast. I think you guys can tell already. You can get a sense, you can get a feel. My first thought when I saw that Derek Jeter was doing Fox, wow, maybe we got a better chance of getting him on New York, New York. Maybe we do. Day to dream. Barkley, Jeter, can we make that happen in 2023? I feel like Kevin Garnett, anything's possible. But then again, I am sitting right now on a balcony in Manhattan Beach watching guys hack it up on this nine-hole course. So as we sit here and chat on this Tuesday afternoon in Los Angeles and a Tuesday late afternoon in New York, anything is possible. I'll tell you one thing. Don't get, don't get the pom-poms waved for pitchers and catchers. Nobody loves baseball more than me. The idea that that is like a theme that people get excited about when the season is like seven weeks away, who cares? So I could see a bunch of pitchers spit sunflower seeds. I see Aaron Judge doing something that there is absolutely zero chance he's going to do. Oh, he's taking grounders at first base. Oh, maybe Aaron Judge is going to play. He's not playing first base. With Rizzo coming back, please spare me with that nonsense. Spare me. If you get excited about pitchers and catchers, check your priorities. Would you please? Just check them a little bit. All right, we got a loaded pod for you. So I know we were super busy at Radio Row. I think you guys all know that. And we have a bunch of guests that didn't want to talk about the Super Bowl and allowed us to maybe put a bow on this football season and really look ahead to the offseason. So we have Lachey Ducible, who I worked with at SNY, and now he's all over the place. He's like a media superstar. Very tight, good insight on the Jets. 
the Cruz. I think he knows a thing or two about winning in New York. We'll talk about the Giants season with him. Then we'll have the Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez, who is Mr. Superstar these days. It's on that Amazon broadcast on Thursday night. And then Alec Dingle, Miami Dolphin, former Raider. He's got a book out, children's book. Great inspirational stuff right there. But a little insight on playing with Derek Carr, and Derek Carr is your quarterback potentially going into next year, if that's the case for the New York Jets. All right, so Deucible, Victor Cruz, Tony Gonzalez, Alec Ingle. That's a Tuesday lineup. Get it rolling. Next. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. All right, let's have some fun. I saw this guy a few minutes ago. I said, I got to have him on the podcast. Leger Duzable, who is my old buddy. I used to see him all the time at SNY. Man, you media superstar now. Man, it's been a blessing. I, I can't lie. Um, you know, CBS, Sirius XM, just grinding away. You know how it is. You got to grind away. Gotta grind. Welcome to life in the media business, yeah. bro. That's mm-hmm. the life you have chosen it now. It is. It is. And it listen, is. you will be forever identified with the New York Jets. You know that. Of They're course. near and dear to your heart. Yeah. Franchise now. Moving in the right direction. Correct. They don't have a quarterback. What was your take on the season as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the main thing, right? Uh, No stability at the quarterback position. It's hard to win in this league when you don't have stability at the most important position. So, um, but you talked about it, right? They're heading in the right direction. The the defense, top five defense, championship type defense. Uh, A lot of those pieces are coming back. There will be some decisions that have to be made. I know Quentin Williams is looking for a new deal. And he deserves it, rightfully so. I think the Jets also have to stop the stigma of not paying their first-round picks. You got to keep your guys. You got to keep your guys. Especially a guy like Quinn. A guy that does everything right, has only gotten better, hasn't even reached the ceiling of what he can be in this league. And I think we saw at times him be dominant. Honestly, I think he should have deserved to be in the defensive player of the year category. Then he got banged up, you know, missed one game and missed another half of a game. But for the majority of the season, I think right there with Chris Jones, you would have to say those were the two best defensive tackles in all of football. And when you have a dominant three technique, it really sets your defense apart. So, I mean, from that standpoint, the defense is ready. I mean, we got young playmakers on the outside. Garrett Wilson should win offensive player. How good is that guy, man? I saw him in person, so I went down to the Dolphin game. And obviously, listen, the Jets couldn't move the ball. They tried doubling him, Legetti, and Couldn't do it. Couldn't guard the guy, man. He's something. And, and the crazy thing is, and I'll, I'll, I'll be mad enough to say this, I thought he was going to be a really good pro. I thought he'd be a solid number two. I didn't see him being a true number one no, until, I until I saw him this year. And anybody you talk to, I talked to Michael Floor about him, talked to Salah about him, the kid gets it, right? And he's an ultimate competitor. You got to think about this. This was probably his first losing season of his whole career. In Dallas, when he was in high school, they never lost. Ohio State, they never really lost. So I, I think it was a, a little different for him. And for you to come in and be the guy as a rookie, right, almost like that leadership position as a rookie, shows what type of dog he has in him. I think it can be really special. I mean, he does it all. Catch radius is there. He's aggressive with the ball in the air. That's what I really love about him. He, he really goes and snatches the ball out of here. And you talked about it. Like, he was a rookie and he was getting double teamed, right? And he was still finding ways to get open. There was times on film you could see him visibly frustrated because even though he was double, he was open. 
and the ball didn't get to him. So I like a guy that always wants the ball. Now, you know, people get carried away when they say in a diva activity with well, receivers. I'll tell you what I don't like, though, is Jay. Yeah. And listen, Zach Wilson stunk. I can understand <laughs> why he'd be pissed off. Yeah. But, man, if I'm the head coach of the team, I yeah. can't have my receiver throwing his hands up every time he's open, though, right? Don't yeah. you worry about that in the locker room? A little bit, but you also worry about your locker room if the quarterback isn't playing to a certain standard. You worry about keeping him in there and losing the rest of the locker room. That's the well, thing and that's you why I had to bench him. Yeah, after that you know, New England game, and I heard him speak after the game. I said he cannot be the quarterback. You, cannot. You worry about losing fifty-two other guys when you do something like that. I think Robert Sala made absolutely the right decision because, as a head coach, yes, the quarterback is the most important piece on your team, right? But you got to look at those other fifty-two guys in the eyes and tell them that this is what's best for the team, right? You can't have a response like you said after the New England game when somebody asked him, "Do you feel like you let the defense down?" When the offense scored three points, and the defense lost the game where they only gave up three points, and you quickly say no. And do that in New York. You do that in Kansas City, it's bad enough. You do that and in New do York. do it anywhere, it's bad enough. Like, there's nowhere. But New York's another level, yeah, though. You know exactly. that. exactly. So, like, I think he ha- absolutely had to make that decision in benching him. A lot of people felt like he maybe should have been benched in half, and it just maybe could have won They might have won that game. Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at it as a whole, I think what Joe Douglas has done has been a masterful job as far as you know, the quarterback didn't hit, right? But as far as the pieces on the team, he has the pieces in place for if a veteran quarterback could come in, steer the ship, this Jets team could be in the playoffs in one year. So, Well, that's think, the bottom line, though, now, yeah, Jay. Yeah. they got to be a playoff team next year. Yeah. Anything short of that, I don't know what the future is for this coaching staff. So, quarterback, mm. you're the GM. Yeah. I put you in the shoes. Okay. Who do you want as the starting quarterback 2023 for the Jets? A lot of people probably won't like this answer. Um, and they've scoffed at me for saying this on Twitter. But Derek Carr, to me, makes the most sense. If you look at Aaron Rodgers, yes, the system fit is perfect, right? Uh, Nathaniel Hackett was a guy that was with him in Green Bay. Same system that LaFleur ran. It's under the Shanahan tree. But you don't know how how long you're going to get Aaron Rodgers. That's the thing, right? You might get him, Jay, for one year. Who knows? I mean, he's contemplating not playing this year, which I think is hogwash because he's going to make $50 million. There's no way he's not coming back to play this year. But he's talking about going away and – I'm always cool with somebody going to handle, you know, their their mental, you know, if they have mental issues, not mental issues, but he wants to get away, reset. Get the mind right. Yeah, get the mind right. Yeah. I have no problem with that at all. The thing is, why is it every year? Like, you know, some quarterbacks know if they're going to come play back and play next year. There's been a lot of drama with him the last couple yeah, of years. So Will he, like, will he, won't he, you so know? That's, that's the thing you worry about if you're a GM and owner. You're bringing Aaron Rodgers in. How long? Is he just really a bridge for one year, right? And then what are you starting over from there? But Derek Carr, I think you get, you know, some stability. And that's what you need, especially on a young team. You need some stability at the quarterback position. You're going to get him for two, maybe three years, right? And then he can learn the system. He can build that camaraderie with the receivers on the outside, with, whether it's Garrett Wilson. We don't know the Corey Davis situation. We'll see how that plays out this offseason. Elijah Moore is going to be there. You want a quarterback that's going to be able to build, you know, camaraderie with his teammates and be there for more than one year. But Aaron Rodgers, he, he might be a one-year stopgap. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, you might go to the playoffs. But then are you starting over again? So that's the issue. With Derek Carr, at least he buys you two or three years. And if you feel like you find a quarterback in the draft next year or the year after, you have that quarterback piece already in place where you can move on from Carr. But with Aaron Rodgers, it's the wild card. You just don't know. I think he's perfect for the system. The only thing is, it's just a one-year stopgap. Do you worry about Carr and the decline last year you saw with the Raiders? No. I think that's because Josh McDaniels. System. Yeah. I think it's Josh Who, by the way, is a terrible head coach. I mean, terrible. All you got to do is look at the history. When he went to Denver... He ruined that team. The Raiders. Jay Cole and Brandon Marshall, and they want T-Bone. Yeah. Enough said. The Raiders, right? They were a playoff team the year before with everything they went through, Jay. And that's another thing why I like Derek Carr. 
you got to have a great locker room guy, right? They, they have to do some building with that quarterback position as far as trust in the locker room. We saw what happened. We just talked about it. When a quarterback comes out and says, no, I didn't let my team down, when your offense only puts up three points and you throw nearly like three or four picks, right? Derek Carr is an ultimate leader. John Gruden, right, has to resign. We saw the thing with Henry Ruggs. Damon Arnett, the thing that people forget about, right? Their first-round corner had a machine gun on Instagram Live. They had to cut him. All those distractions, right? Derek Carr kept that team together and got them into the playoffs with less talent than they had this year. <laughs> so, for one, you're getting a better leader in the locker room. You're getting a guy that's removed, just removed from always throwing for 5,000 yards. When is the, when, what's the last time a Jets quarterback threw for 5,000 yards? Uh, I can't think of one. He went for 4,800 yards. Vinny was like 3,500. Exactly. He went for 4,800 yards with less talent on that team. Now you get a Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, maybe one more piece. He's got more talent on that team. We got three good tight ends. Who knows what Derek Carr could throw for? And Again, it's going to be based off the run game, depending on how Brees Hall returns from injury. But it's going to be a friendly quarterback system. He's going to get the ball in his hands quick, know where to go with the football, and he could be that quarterback again that throws for nearly 5,000 yards in this system. And let's be honest, this division now is there for the taking. Buffalo regressed. They're going to lose guys. I mean, let's not forget to the me, Jets beat them last year. They did. And they should have beat, the second, beat them the second time. That with Zach Wilson. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. If you're Miami and the Jets, you're thinking you could get the Bills this year. Yeah. I mean, I'd be thinking that. Uh, well, 100%. And if, if, you're, if you're Miami, like the game with Tua, like they almost went up there and went toe-to-toe for them and almost beat them. Uh, and, Josh, dude, let me tell you something. If Tua was playing the playoff game, they would have beat the Bills. <laughs> Definitely, because Josh Allen turns the ball over too much, right? That, and that's been a, a stigma with him now that Brian Dable kind of took that out of him. But it seems like when Dable left, it came creeping back out. So if you're the Miami Dolphins, if Tua stays healthy, you, you have a lot of confidence. You're the Jets and you're on that defense. You damn sure have a lot of confidence because you held him to 147 yards in that second game in Buffalo. So it's like, you're not scared of the Buffalo Bills. We just had, a, if we had a quarterback in that game, Mike White played his heart out, got killed. Literally. I loved it. Almost like Daniel Russo is going to fight. Got destroyed. He really but did. Honestly, if Michael Carter doesn't fumble the ball, I think the Jets end up winning that game as right. well. So, I mean, if you're the Jets, you're like, being there or being almost there isn't good enough. Like you said, it's playoff or bust this year because we feel like, or the Jets feel like they have a team, as long as they have a quarterback to steer the ship and not turn it over, they have a team that they feel like they can make a serious run in the playoffs. Okay. Salah. I had Raheem Mostert here yesterday. Loved the guy. Love the guy. Said he's inspirational. He's got a good heart. The guys love him. I worry, though, with Salah Leger, he's very buddy-buddy, it seems, with the players. Is, am I maybe misreading this? Am I reading too much into it? Well, because it seems, it does seem and, like and that. That, 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 yeah. that vibe is there with him. Like, I think he's a good man. I think he's yeah. a good football guy. But that it's a fine line where you want to be respected by your players, but you also have to lead, too. That's yeah. the question. Well, I mean, and this is some kind of the question mark that people have with Rex, too, right? But people loved Rex, right? And, and guys, you can see it on the film. Fives went and fought for Rex. Same thing with Salah. Like, even last year, with that defense being the worst in football, guys never quit. They played extremely hard. That's they a telltale sign for you with a coach? Yeah, they just didn't have the talent. This year, they had the talent of what happened. Defense went like this. Top 10 defense. Exactly. Terrific. So, again, at the end of the day, Salah can't play quarterback, right? <laughs> like, in this league, you got to score at least minimum 17 to 21 points Different to have a chance. Now. Different world yeah. than what it was 10, yeah. 15 years ago. Score you minimum score. 17 to 21 to have a chance. I can't remember how many games the Jets actually did that, right? The Miami game comes to mind, but we had turnovers that game on defense. Um, the I think the Packers game, but we had turnovers. The Buffalo game, we had turnovers. So it's like it was everything was predicated off the defense. Your offense has to be able to bail you out sometimes when your defense doesn't play to the standard. It's funny, like the Jacksonville game on Thursday night, P. 
people were hammering the defense. I'm like, how are you hammering this defense? In an impossible situation. When they literally shut everybody down. And even that game, I think it held them to 19 points. Let's not forget that Zach Wilson threw a pick and the return ended up on, you know, the opposite side of the field. They were already in field goal range. So technically, the Jets defense gave up under 17 points that game and still lost. <laughs> lost and lost convincingly. You yeah. think Salah's the right guy for the Jets? I think he's definitely the right guy. And that's not just me knowing him and playing with him in San Francisco. I just think that the attitude, the leadership, he's a leader of men, which is the most important thing. People always talk about, like, we want this offensive guru, you know, the X's and O's guys. You got to be able to lead men. Josh McDaniels is a perfect example. I don't think he's a great leader of men. You see all the X's and O's and what he's done in New England, right? But then again, he also had Tom Brady, right? Let's not forget it's gonna that. It's going to make you look good. It makes you look pretty good, right? But we have saw, right, him in Denver. Didn't work out good. So far in Las Vegas, hasn't looked good. So I forget this dude, Jay, had Josh Jacobs in the Hall of Fame game. If Josh Jacobs doesn't play on that team, they probably go 2-15 and 15 last year if they trade him away. That's how much Josh Jacobs meant to that team this past year. And, and this dude had him in the Hall of Fame game. Risking them, knowing that that field is terrible. That's crazy stuff. Final one. Did you experience McDaniel at all in San Francisco? Or was he uh, after your time? No, he was after me. Could you so. imagine playing for him? Doesn't he seem like I would never control? have to manage that because I would never play for him. You Why? Why wouldn't you play for Mike? Oh, Mike McDaniel. I thought you said I was thinking No, about I know Josh you McDaniels. can't stand Josh. No, uh, Mike McDaniel. Oh, no, I love Mike. Mike was amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. So, yeah, no, I was Mike like, was, was the there when there? I was just, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. No. Mike is amazing, man. So laid back. Are you back, surprised he's an cool. NFL head coach? No. I knew he was going to be one. I mean, he's charismatic. Um, he's he true gets to himself. With he Jay. is who he is. Even though he's, some that. people will say he's quirky and all that. He, that's we who like Mike, quirky guys. That's who, my that's who Mike really is in real life. Same thing with Salah. People were like, I don't know how. I'm like, most authentic dude I know. Yeah. Real authentic. So And players, Jay, they can sense that. Yeah. They know if you're authentic or not. And they'll turn off if they, they feel like you're putting on a show. But both those two guys, unapologetically, they're going to be who they are. Leger, thanks for a couple minutes, man. Of course. Always bringing the heat. Leger Deucible. Yeah. Coming right back. Yeah. All right. It's Super Bowl week. That means you got a Super Bowl legend in the house. A <laughs> giant legend, without a doubt, the best-dressed guy on Thank Radio Row, Victor Thank Cruz. You, man. What's Thank up, you, my man? man? Always good to see you, man. So we are styling today. We okay. got the Jordans or yep. the Nikes. Yep, we got we the got Jordans. The, what is this? We got the We short. got the Kith leather long-sleeve outfit here with the Kith tee underneath. Just in. Comfortable and don't and cozy. forget about the NY necklace. We bro. got the Yankees. Yankees all day long. Well, you know that. So you're a Yankee guy, yep. as am I. Yep. Is Judge your favorite on the team? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Judge. He's a captain. El Capitan. The guy that just you know uh, understands the game. He makes that engine run over there. When he's playing well, the rest of the team kind of picks it up and understands they got to follow suit. It's my guy. Did you have any apprehension? Any nerves? I know I didn't, but then you know. You see on Twitter, he's going to the Giants. I'm like, man, we just lost our dude. Did you have any worry about Judge leaving the Yankees? A little bit. You did? A, a little, because you just never know with these things. I mean, look at, I mean, the NBA, if, if, if that's any litmus test, you never know what's, what's going to happen. So you have a little apprehension, but I knew they were going to, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't not pay the guy. He has to, he's a Yankee forever. He wants to be a Yankee. We had to get that done. And they did. And now we'll see if the Yankees can get over the top and win because Victor, you know, we're waiting on a New York championship. Your Giants are the last team to go and have the parade down the canyon. Here's wow. New York, man. What's, yeah. what's going on it's here? It's been a long time, uh, especially in the baseball space, man. We, it's time. It's time for us to get back to that, to that, to that throne, to that mantle. All right. I'll ask you right now. Okay. New York team. Yep. Who wins the next championship? I mean, come on. New York, uh, New York team in general. Ooh. 
I'm going with the Giants, man. So you do not think the Yankees? I do not think the Yankees. I think the Giants get it first. I think wow. we're on a we're on a good path. We made the playoffs this year. We have a good, uh, you know, we have a good coaching staff, a good front office, obviously. We're going to get another draft under our belt, another free agency coming up. So we'll see. I think we're on, we're on, our trajectory is trending in the right direction. All right, so the Giants this year, Victor, was so much fun to watch, man. They didn't have a ton of expectations going in. Brian Dable comes in. Joe Shane comes in. I know you're watching the games. I know you bleed giant blue. What was, in your opinion, the biggest difference from this giant team this year to other giant teams that didn't have success? Um, I just think it was the culture. Like, they, they, they needed a culture change. They needed a, a, a drastic change in energy. And I think it started with Dayball. I think come, him coming in, you know, and, and the guys really believing in that culture and really buying into what he was selling and buying into the, the team and what he was trying to accomplish this year. I mean, we were picked to win five games this year, and we ended up with a playoff win. You know what I mean? So, like, he did as much as he can do with the team that was surrounded by him. Now we got to do some things in this offseason to get better. But I think, man, I think Dayball and providing that culture and, and, the, and those guys believing in it was a real game changer. Well, you saw Daniel Jones looked like a different dude. He comes on my podcast, Victor, every week, and I could tell this is a guy who week after week after week, he's not only getting more comfortable on the field, but I could tell he's cracking some jokes. He's kind of growing into the job. You played with Eli Manning. Eli's a two-time Super Bowl champ. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But a lot of their mannerisms and the way they kind of carry themselves, you see any similarities? It's kind of scary, man, especially early on. Like, I think both of them understand the brevity and, and what it is to be a quarterback in New York City and, and what that entails. And, and what's demanded of them and what they can and can't say and how they move and their, po you know, everything. It's, it takes so much of you to understand what it is to be a quarterback in New York City. And I think they both understand that. And they both, they both had the temperament, that, that kind of calm, tranquil temperament to be that guy. Okay. What does it take to be a successful athlete in New York City? Because that's a great question. We've seen guys that come here. You're somebody, you're undrafted. You had something to prove. You became a fan favorite. What's the difference between guys that are cut out to play in New York and guys that are not cut out to play in New York? Well, you can't be sensitive. You have to understand that this, you know, in New York City, they're going to hate you when you're down, but love you when you're up. Um, you got to have thick skin, obviously. And you just got to be able to understand the, the level of work that it takes to be the best player that you can be and go out there and just speak your mind, understand what it takes to be a player at this level. Um, but you got to be thick-skinned, man, and just understand that. Put one foot in front of the other. Put one. Put the good. Stack the good days, and good things will happen. Saquon, best year he's had. So much fun to watch. Finally, was the Saquon that was 100% right. You expect DJ Saquon back as Giants? They gotta be right. They, they gotta, gotta be. be. I mean, there's two guys. If there's two guys, you got to keep on this football team is DJ and Saquon. I mean, those guys are the are, are the. You know, the focal points of that football team, they make, they're the engine of that football team. They got to make it go, especially offensively, obviously. You got to figure out a way to keep both of those guys on the team and then get better on top of that. Get a receiver. We need a number one guy. I was going to say, so the Giants, good year, win a yep. playoff game. Yep. But the Eagles are the team that they're chasing. You think closing the gap, I agree with you. Look at what Miami did with Tyreek. Think about what Philly did with, with A.J. Brown. Brown. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts takes it to another level. You think the Giants, priority one, go get a number one receiver? I think so. Whether they make a trade or a free agency or whatever's out there, we have to make a splash at that number one receiver position. And think about it. Daniel Jones has had this much success, at least in the latter part of these last year or two, 
without a number one or without a bona fide guy that he can trust and go out there. Sterling Shepard got hurt early in the season. So he, he never had a guy that he can sit back and say, you know what, when things, go, when things are getting tough, I got a guy I can throw the ball up to, and he's and I trust that he's going to come down and make a play well, with that's him. what made it that much more impressive, yeah. to be honest with you. I mean, I'm watching that Minnesota game, and listen, Victor, they're getting guys basically off the street. Hodgins, Bellinger, James, and you win in a playoff game on the road? You know how tough that is. To throw for 300 yards, to actually give him the reins that, that, that in that game, to actually let him be the guy, it really proved a lot to me about him and, and who he is and his moxie. And it really, I, I think that, I mean, he had a great year. But that game got him paid. I totally agree. Yeah. All right, so it's Super Bowl week. You got to be feeling this nostalgia, right? Like, I mean, I think about the Super Bowl and the run that you guys were on. It started that Christmas Eve game, breaking the Jet fans' hearts. <laughs> I remember watching that game at a bar. Yeah. I see. I'm a Dolphin fan, but okay. I was pulling for you guys. I might have had a couple of bucks on you guys yeah, in yeah. that game. Okay, okay. And I'm watching Victor run down the sideline, and then you beat the Cowboys. When was the moment in that run? You're like, oh shit, man, we're gonna go win the Super Bowl. Well, I think um, I think it was throughout, but it was Christmas Eve. I, I, maybe not a Super Bowl, but I knew that we had something special and that we had what it took to get to the postseason and to have success. We had the perfect nucleus of, like, veteran guys and young players that can come together and, and be great and raise each other's level of play. Um, and, and I just knew we just had to hit it at, at the right time, and we did, man. And we really, you know, skyrocketed into the playoffs. And really, when we got to the playoffs, we just knew nobody could stop us. Like, we had a certain energy about ourselves coming into those games that we were dialed in from a practice perspective. And then when we got to the Super Bowl, that was probably the most perfect practice week that we've ever had, that I've yeah. ever been a part of. Like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. But we had the most perfect week of practice to the point where Coach Coffin was like, look, I got nothing more for you guys. You guys are the most prepared that we could possibly have. We're watching film, barely correcting things because we, everybody's spot on. We're understanding exactly what we need to do. And we went out there and performed. What were you thinking in that game when Bradshaw goes in? When he's supposed to take the knee, you guys can milk the clock. Yep. You're going up against the greatest quarterback of all time. Yep. Were you on the field or were you on the sideline at that point? So I was on the sideline because we went into our, our heavy package yeah. or whatever. So I'm on the sideline, like, looking at the clock, looking at us, looking at the clock. Like, are we going to score now? Should we score now? I don't know what we should do. We want to get the touchdown. But it was the most anticlimactic touchdown to go ahead and in Because you can tell he was like, oh, man. Because it just opened up because they let him score so they could have more time. But it was like, is you know, it was like a minute change left. Is that too much time for the best quarterback to ever do it? You know, you guys, in winning those two Super Bowls, the Super Bowl is great, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's immortal. I've never 100%. seen my team win it. For you guys to do it against Brady and Belichick, 2007 they do it. Then you do it again in 2011. Victor, you know this. Belichick's the greatest coach of our lifetime. Correct. We didn't see Lombardi. Correct. Brady's the greatest quarterback of our lifetime. Yep. I think it makes your Super Bowl that much more impressive. I think so, too. I think it adds just a little notch above. Yeah, man. And, and especially because it's the second time we're playing them in, what, four years, five-year span. And, you know, the football gods are tricky. It might it might have been their turn. You know, you just don't know. You don't, you don't, you know, going into it, you're just like, I don't know. This, not, this could go in their favor this time around as opposed to 2007. So, but we went out there and put our best foot forward. And, man, and the best part is that clip of Belichick on the sideline talking to his defense and saying it's a cruising Knicks game. Like, if you're able to just hold those guys down, and then my guy Mario makes the catch. And what a throw. That's yeah. one of Eli's oh. best throws of his career, right? Easily. Easy. I mean, in the bucket. I mean, I've seen him do it in practice a bunch of times, but to do it in that moment. When you're backed up. Everything on the you line. Get, you get hit there. Fumble. Yeah. Safety. Defensive touchdown. Exactly. He drops it to Manningham. You're winning that game. Were you worried during that San Francisco game with the way he was getting his ass beat? I, I I don't think I've seen a quarterback 
take a pounding like that mm-hmm. and just get up and yeah. get up and get up. They got after him, Victor. So I wasn't worried. I was just a little like, man, is he going to keep getting up, you know? But the best part is, like, he never cursed out his teammate, never cursed out his offensive line, never. He just got up. We would wipe the dirt out of his face mask. And he was back in the huddle, calling a play, getting ready for the next one, and then making a throw when he needed to, making the play that he needed to make. I mean, that game really proved to me the moxie and just how strong Eli was mentally. Like, we all know that at physical stuff, throwing the ball, his great pocket presence, moving around in the pocket, his footwork was always top-notch. But the, the toughness is the one thing that he proved that to me in that game for sure. Who's your favorite receiver right now to watch in the league? Oh, man. Um, there are a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. I like Stephon Diggs a lot. See any similarities with you yeah, and him? Yeah, 100%. He's got the – I'm a big route-running guy. Like, I love guys that can run precise, precise routes, stop on a dime, come back to the ball, understand the little nuances of what they do as a receiver. And I think uh, Stefan Diggs is, is right at the top. You try to campaign for Shane and Damon. I mean, come on, guys. What are we going to do? He's right in Buffalo. Bu- just in Buffalo. Just come right down the turnpike. Try to be in New York anyway. Come on down. Who's a lot better in New York we'll City? We'll take it, man. We'll take it. Oh, man. Look at this guy. What up, baby? Good to see you. Look at you I'm making a round. Final one. Yeah. What do you got going on on uh, Radio Row with Captain Morgan? Yeah, I'm here with Captain Morgan. Just showing love to all the super fans out there. I mean, the guys, uh, you know, Captain Morgan's doing some great things, acknowledging the fans. They're partnered with Sports Illustrated. The fans are getting 32 special covers uh, for themselves all over the, all over, you know, all 32 teams, all fans, all 32 fans. Um, you, the fan of the year will be chosen at NFL Honors tomorrow. I mean, these fans are getting statues built of themselves in front of their favorite stadiums. I mean, it's just incredible the things Captain Morgan does, and, uh, and, and there's nothing short of spectacular. Victor, you the man. I'll see you at Nick games. I'll Absolutely. see you at Yankee games. You missed the New York City, bro. Absolutely, Mr. man. Thank you. City. Thank you very Victor much. Cruz, former New York Giant. We're coming right back. All right, let's welcome in a guy who had one of the best original touchdown celebrations. Like, you were, in many ways, was so creative, just dunking over the goalpost. Hall of Famer, Tony Gonzalez. What's up, Tony? Hey, man. Is that really that creative, just dunk the ball over the goalpost? Well, because (laughs) your athleticism was off the charts, man. I mean, for you, you're playing that position, and now you're seeing so many guys kind of revolutionize it. You were, like, the first to do it. Who was the tight end for you, like, watching him grow up? Who was the tight end you wanted to be? Um, Believe it or not, I didn't watch too much NFL football growing up. But uh, when I got to the league, I used to watch Shannon Sharp, you know, and Kellen Winslow, uh, senior. I remember getting his film uh, from Gunther Cunningham. He was our head coach uh, after my third year. And that's, coincidentally, when I started watching Kellen Winslow's uh, tape, that's when my career kind of took off. Yeah, I was going to say, for you, like, you coming into the league, you have success, you're playing on a quality team, but when did you like know, hey, I can take my game to the next level? Like, was there a moment for you where it all kind of clicked? <laughs> well, and that's a loaded question. Well, you know, I, I said this during my Hall of Fame speech. I won't go too much into it. My second year, I led the league in drop passes and uh, got benched twice. And off of that, though, it, it changed everything about my mentality and my preparation because obviously I sucked. I just wasn't good enough, and so I had to go out there and change a lot of things and. Based off of that, I ended the last, I think the last game I played against the Raiders and I had a pretty decent game. I don't even think I had 100 yards, but I had a, a touchdown or whatever. And it was the first time I was like, okay, I can do this. And then when once year three started, it was off to the races. The confidence was there from the beginning. I knew I could play this, uh, playing the league. How cool is it for you now? You're a Kansas City Chief through and through. And now you see with the franchise, you guys had success. 
It was about, you know, just no, trying. We didn't. No, we did. didn't. You no, had we success. Didn't. No, we didn't. You weren't Not a terrible really. team. I well, mean, we I, I watch the Miami we Dolphins. They haven't won a playoff game in 20 years, Tony. <laughs> so a team that's a number one seed, I'll say you had some semblance of success. Uh, we, we never won a playoff game and, and only went to the playoffs three times in my 12 years there. But uh, but I'll tell but you I what, felt the like fans are great. Any time you made the playoffs, though, I felt like you were one seed. We uh we were with the one seed, yes, twice. My rookie year, and then in two thousand three with Priest Holmes and that. That, that whole, team was so much fun, man. So much fun. Trent Offense. Green, Dave Vermeil. And but we but we lost, and that's why I'm so happy for what's happening to to Kansas City. I mean, you got the you got the franchise quarterback, you got the the franchise coach, you got the franchise tight end, franchise defensive tackle, and Chris Jones. Like they, they, everything is clicking for them. And, and the fans out there, I've always loved the fans. That's the only thing I was ever disappointed about was never letting them experience what they get to experience right now. I'm really happy for them because I know a lot of them still. I mean, still have created some good friendships out there, and they're loving this, obviously. First time you saw Travis Kelsey, you see Star written all over him or? Uh, yeah, took some time. Uh, you know, he got hurt his rookie year. Uh, but I remember they were telling me, they're like, hey, we got this young tight end out here. Uh, you guys should should to talk. I was going to say, if I ran the Chiefs, I'd be like, talk to this guy. He knows yeah, the thing too about playing tight end. That's smart. And we did. We, you know, we, we've had a relationship for a while since he was, you know, j just getting going. And, and then once you saw him start to make some of these plays and you saw what he was doing with like Alex Smith and them. And then when Andy, with Andy and Alex Smith, he was putting up really great numbers. But now you put Andy with a guy like Patrick Mahomes and, and you see Travis's just explode and get even better uh, and, and become one of the greatest tight ends of all time. So I'm in New York. Obviously, the Jets and the Giants, they're falling on hard times, but there's a fun football season around New York City. Tony, the Giants, they go and win a playoff game for the first time in a long time. Jets, offensive, defensive rookie of the year. I let you buy stock in the Jets and the Giants. You're a smart guy. You're an investment kind of guy. I let you invest <laughs> in one. Who would you invest in? Uh, first, I'm not that. You don't want to invest in me. No, I've had some okay. Bad I have some good luck, too. There you go. Uh, um, you know, it, obviously, it's all quarterback. This is a quarterback-driven league, and uh, I believe the best team right now is probably the Jets. But one position, obviously, is is, is really I'm lacking. Say, a guy named, by the name of Aaron Rodgers looks pretty good in green and white. I think Aaron Rodgers would be good there. I think uh, maybe Derek from from Vegas, uh, Carr. He, maybe he could he could go there. I know he would help put them over the top. Uh, I, if, if if they get a quarterback, the Jets are the best team. I, I think hands down. Uh, but I love that coach. Um, in uh, Dable, Dable, right? Yeah, he's uh, yeah, got yeah. some. He's got he, some swag about him. You I know? think. I think he's going to make a winner out there for sure. Daniel Jones has turned a corner, uh, and it seems they got themselves a, a nice quarterback in him now. Um, do you remember this game? I do vividly because I'm a Dolphin guy, but I watch the Jets cover the Giants every single week. You're playing, I believe, at the old Giants Stadium with Atlanta. This is a late December game, and I couldn't believe they didn't guard you. Game-winning uh -huh. touchdown. Yeah. And Rex is melting down on the sideline. Yeah. You scored a lot of touchdowns, so like for you, you're like, yeah, touchdown uh, I remember game. That. I remember the play. Is this like a vivid Tony Gonzalez Atlanta memory? Yeah, well, it was the last play of the game. Yeah, it was. It was do or die, and everybody, every. Kid, it's like, how do you not guard Tony Gonzalez? Every kid dreams of that, though. You know, you just find that soft spot. They went zone, and I found the soft spot. Like the old Y stick, go five yards and turn in, turn out. Yeah, it's like kind of an option route, which which I feel like I could get open on option routes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, I was able to score a touchdown. How you like doing the TV stuff? I love it, love it. Uh, it's, especially now with with Amazon, get to 
get to go to the game, get to sit on the sideline, get to see these teams you to up feel, close right? and personal. You know, right? get to get travel, the ener- get the energy, the energy of the crowd too, and all that. The only thing I don't like about it, it gets too damn cold though. I was gonna say, I mean, that oh. game you did that Jet Jaguar game. Ridiculous. That was disgusting. Dude. Ridiculous. Disgusting. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to, stadium wise? Not city wise, outside of Kansas City. Favorite stadium to yeah, go like to? Yeah, like the environment, the ambiance, being a part of that. I used to love, and obviously it's gone now, I used to love going to Oakland. I can uh, see that. Because, first of all, I went to Berkeley, so I'm, I'm from that area. Uh, but the fans, the Raider fans. Were, were, I'm sure they the gave crazies. you a business. They didn't care you from Berkeley. Oh, they didn't Hell give no. a damn. Um, and it was just fun to to to, to see the, the, the atmosphere looking up. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you'd see like a fight here, a fight there. Fight there, Darth Vader throwing, suits, throwing black. batteries, throwing beer cans on the field at us in the in the end zones. Like it was just a a, a gladiator type type feel. Who is your favorite player right now? Outside of the Chiefs, take the Chiefs out of it because I know Mahomes and Kelsey are great. Who is the guy when you're covering a game you can't wait to see play? Uh, I love watching. I think Tyreek Hill. I That's mean, my. It's kind what of, an impact he had with two of this year, huh? I, I think anybody who gets a guy like him. Uh, you know what I love about the NFL? You keep seeing these. You think when it, you just when you think it can't get more dynamic or different, somebody comes along like him and does what he does. Uh, it's just fun, so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, think about the speed with that guy. Yeah, he's like I a little mean, hummingbird. He's like, like I, I wish I could play quarterback. Just yeah. throw it off. He did say that. He's like, you can play quarterback. You get me the ball. I'm gonna go for 100 yards. What do we got plugging, Tony? Uh, well, you know, it's heart awareness month, uh, February. And so I'm here with Bayer Aspirin, and um, actually, I guess I, it, it hits close to home to me because my mother has heart disease, uh, my my aunt, and my my grandmother is 104, still alive. Wow, God bless. Uh, God bless. That's incredible. And so it's something that runs in my family, so it's probably going to affect me, so I got to do what I can to make sure that I'm healthy. And there's a great website called checkyourhealthrisk.com. I went to the website, I did the survey, and off base of a five, 10 minute survey, it'll spit out whether you're low risk, medium risk, high risk. And based off of that, you can come up, formulate a plan. So especially you men out there listening, go do this for your family's sake, for your loved one's sake, and uh, and make sure that your ticker is taking care of you. I like the sound of that, Tony. Yep. Continue success, man. You Thanks. were a ton of fun to watch. Thanks, brother. Thank Thanks you. for having me, man. All right, let's welcome in one of the toughest dudes in the NFL. Point for the Miami Dolphins this year. He's sitting here with a cast on his right wrist or thumb. I don't know what it is. It is a right thumb action, but it is a little little cast. I had surgery like three days ago. And think about this. You were playing the final couple of games of the year with this injury. You're tough, Alec Engel. It was, uh, you want to set the tone. And I feel like it was one of the first times I could really um, show the guys and the team and the organization, like, I'm I'm about this life, man. I when things are going well and we're playing fullback and and things are all peachy, we're winning. Like cool, but I'm also going to be going through it when it's tough. When I got a broken thumb, like I'm gonna I'm gonna be here for you guys. I'm gonna be accountable. Try and be a leader as best I can. Well, you're a throwback, man, because the fullback position, I love it, man. I grew up with the Moose Johnsons of the yeah. world. To have the doll, I, I remember when you were signed by Miami. I'm a big Dolphin guy. I'm like, they finally got a fullback. This guy's a badass. You come in, man, and I could tell, like, you want to get after it, dude. I love it. Oh, yeah. You strap up, and, like, once you get in between those white lines, it's a completely different game, completely different mindset. You know, when you see Moose Johnson, like, embrace Emmett Smith when he broke that rushing record, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's on the sideline and stuff. Like, that's the bond you want to have with your backfield. That's the type of relationship you want uh, with your running back, with your backfield, with the guys that you're playing in front of and behind. And, And that's kind of what the fullback is, man. We blend the offense. We blend the team. It's a glue guy type of mentality, and you'll do whatever it takes to play some ball. 
Talk me through Mike McDaniel. I love him. He seems like a genuine, real dude. He's quirky. His press conference is entertaining. Uh, what was it like the first time you met this dude? Yeah, it's like it's a breath of fresh air. Someone just being themselves 100% and they do not care if you like them or not, but like they are themselves. And I feel like that's a quality of him coaching and leading men is like you can see all the cool clips. You can have um, all the NFL films mic'd up moments, but the standard that he sets for us and the boldness that he talks about his vision for us and playing up to our potential is that's what gets you going and ready to run through a brick wall for that dude because he's himself. He's not pretending to do anything else. That's what he believes. That's what his heart is at. And he's going to he's gonna follow up and hold that standard to you know himself, to everybody below and above. And uh, that's kind of the organization. That's the leadership you need is like someone that's themselves, that's genuine, authentic, and is ready to go through a brick wall for the guys he's around. Talk me through this season. You guys get off to a fast start. Yeah, obviously, late season adversity, but you find a way to make the playoffs. Nobody gave you a chance in that Buffalo playoff game. You're going with a third-string quarterback. 14-point dogs. I was going to say, and a half. you guys uh, almost shocked the world in that particular game. Uh, do you feel like you're in a program now where the team's moving in the right direction, fun to be a part of? Yeah, there's moments. Uh, the Ravens game, week two, big comeback One win. of my favorite Dolphin wins of the last 10 years, dude. Then back-to-back -back beating the Bills at home, uh, going up there putting them on the ropes twice, uh, not quite getting it done. You have that balance of like, we had moments that we really enjoy, really know we're about this life. But then we have moments where it's like, you're going to leave that taste in your mouth and you're going to work towards knowing we can play to a potential that's higher and we can achieve more. We left some stuff on the table. I feel like that's what's exciting about being in this room. It's like a lot of guys have that taste in their mouth and a lot of guys are motivated to make a run. I like the sound of that. How do you guys get to the next level? I think it's the details, man. I think we had a formula figured out. I think no one, we're eight and three. We're running on offense. We're running on defense to the fact we're like, it, you felt invincible. You felt like you couldn't get stopped. And obviously we had the adversity. We had things that people needed to overcome. We needed to figure out how to win as a team. Um, and we did all that. And I feel like going through the highs and the lows of the season and ending it on week 18 against the Jets, being able to pull that one out with Skyler behind. I was in the building. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, there, yeah. was some, there was some energy about that. It's a nine to three slugfest. We're playing field position. That is the exact opposite way we normally win games by huge explosive plays, you know? So being able to win multiple games in multiple ways, I think gives a lot of guys the energy and the, the confidence to be able to find our identity next year a little bit earlier, to be able to buy in, go all in, and just be detailed and know that we have this formula. Let's develop it, let's master it, and let's be able to play some ball. We do a New York pod. Derek Carr's quarterback is gonna be available. You play with Derek Carr in Vegas. What's he bring to a team? Um, ultimate accuracy, great leader, um, doing everything the right way, locker room guy, um, first guy in, last guy out. Like I remember uh, Foster Morrow and I, we are rookies and we're in Oakland, Alameda, California. And we are living in an extended stay hotel right across the street from the facility, right? And Foster and I, we try and like, it was a competition to see who could get in the building first. You know, you're rookies, you're trying to set the stage. I'm an undrafted guy. I'm going to try and do everything I can, right? And Derek was always there before us. And we like kept going earlier and earlier and earlier to figure out when, you know, it's 4, 4.30 in the morning. Rolls up in his car, parks it, right front row, hopping in, doing the tubs, watching film, had his own, you know, setup where he's he's watching tape and getting ready. He he had the entire install ready the day before. So that second time we're going through it, he's already teaching guys about it. He already has it dialed in. He's the ultimate pro. And I feel like that little story is just kind of an it, it just shows a lot more about what he brings to a table as a leader, as a quarterback. And that's the type of guy you're looking for. That's the the habits, the routine, the standard that he sets as a leader. And, you know, he's been a captain for the freaking Raiders for a decade now. He knows how to lead and win. 
Um, so whatever team ends up getting him is going to get a guy ready and hungry to win a Super Bowl. All right, that's good to know. Final one. You're playing football. You're playing in the NFL. But yet you have time to go and put together this unbelievable book. Dude, you got to tell me more about this. I needed to. Um, it was I'm on a, a rehab training table, friggin' middle of, of the off season. And that's after you blow out your knee. After I blow up my ACL, I'm trying to just journal, get my emotions out on a piece of paper so that I can be coming back to, to at that time, the Raiders, the best, the best possible fullback I could be. I always wanted to be a better fullback after an ACL injury than before. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? So I start talking it out. I start journaling. And all of a sudden, I start seeing that these answers to the test, I've been through it before. I learned these lessons through life, through different experiences, high school, college, whatever, just life in general. And so I started putting together little piles, little little threads of commonality, little, created seven crucibles, um, did some audio files, transcribed it, and then I gave it out to a, you know, a publisher, and now we have a book. And it's it's something where it's a life book. It's not just We use football stories because I think that's entertaining, and that's the epitome of some of the adversity that you go through, and ACL is one of those things. But anybody that's looking to just be the best version of themselves, try and be a little bit better, try and do something great, take a step outside your comfort zone, like that's what this book is for. And it'll give you that courage and a blueprint to be able to do that. I mean, I wrote this and edited it and it was ready to go by July of last year. And I, I had written it down and I said, I know this is a blueprint. This is exactly what I'm going to do when I come back from my ACL. I had no idea what success was going to look like. I had no idea I was going to be with the Dolphins, no idea it was Coach McDaniel, but I knew the work ethic and everything that I put into that process was going to lead to success this year for me uh, individually. And now that it's out, I get to share it and I get to say, yeah, I, I did come back. I did have a better season this year than I've had ever before. And this is how it happened. Friggin' awesome. Where can we find a book? Uh, Amazon, uh, alecingold.com. It's and the, the name of the book? Uh, it's called The Seven Crucibles. It's an inspiring you know, game plan to overcome adversity in your life. Um, like I said, life book, but football messaging in it. And it's really for anyone, whether you're a student athlete, a coach, a parent, anyone that's just trying to do something special. Um, I think that's, that's the, the cool part about relating so heavy to that book is because we all have fears. We all have adversity. All, everyone's going through something. Um, and it's just a book to be able to, to have a little courage and confidence about going after it. Dude, you're awesome. Continued success. You're a badass. I appreciate it, man. Keep Thank at you. it, man. Keep crashing skulls. That's Alec Ingold, <laughs> Miami appreciate Dolphins. It. All right, before we say goodbye, and you heard Alec Ingold right there, big fan of Derek Carr. Big believer in Derek Carr. And could you imagine playing the last couple of weeks with like a screwed up wrist, thumb, broken, and still like crushing skulls in the NFL? That's pretty wild to think about. All right, Larry, it's been a week hiatus. You're asking me if I broke 100 on the trip. The answer is no. Uh, I couldn't putt yesterday. Kill me. I play with these guys in Buffalo, by the way. They are the nicest people. You know, we give Bill's Mafia a little bit of a bad rap because they're a little bit insane at the stadium. But, like, the guys I play with in Western New York were terrific, terrific dudes. So I want to commend uh, my guy John, and I want to commend uh, his son Drew. They let me uh, tag along, be a part of their golf crew. It was uh, quite the day. All right, Larry, I'm ready. Let's see if my trivia performance is uh, taking a beat here. JJ, Larry in Florida. There's two tonight. The first one is, name the two players last year to have 30 steals and 20 homer seasons. The second one is, there's six active players in the major league to have a 30 homer, 30 steal season. Who are the six? I'm out. All right, so there's six guys, six guys to have 30-30. 
that are active in Major League Baseball right now as we speak. Okay. Uh, let's start here, uh, Stefan, with one Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, one down, five to go. Let's go number two, Fernando Tatis Jr. Wow, Tatis never had a 30-30 season. Never had a 30-30. I'm a little surprised by that. Not going to lie, I'm a little surprised by that. All right, one down, five to go. Talking 30-30 years. I think I got one here, Steph. Charlie Blackman. Oh, boy. This is not the turn I wanted. No, not in the least. One down, five to go. Whiffed on Blackman. Whiffed on Tatis. Uh, Mookie Betts, 30-30 Mookie Betts. All right, there we go. I like the sound of that. So two down, four to go. There are four more major leaguers who have had 30-30 seasons that are still active today. I think I got one. Javier Baez, Cubs, Tigers. I got to get four more of these. Damn, it's harder than I thought. This is harder than I thought. Steph, is Ozzy Albies on this list? He's one of my favorite guesses. Yeah. He, uh, he is just a name I like to say a lot. I think that's what it boils down to. So I need three more. Stefan, big names, obviously, right? Yeah, one I'm like surprised you haven't said yet. Um, yeah. The other one of them is not so much of a big name, but somebody you of more recent years. The other two are bona fide superstars in the MLB that I'm surprised you haven't named yet. Bona fide superstars in Major League Baseball. Uh Mike Trout. Uh, now I need two more, Stefan. I believe so. Two, two more, more, yep. Christian Yelich. There we go. He's missed a Manhattan Beach. I might see him at dinner tonight. By the way, if, if I could live anywhere other than New York, I think I'd live in Manhattan Beach. I really do. Like, the weather is perfect. You still... See, to me, I got to have good meals, and I know I'm going to eat well here. You know, I could pick other places where, all right, the food's great, the weather sucks. Well, the weather's great, the food is not as good. Manhattan Beach. In another lifetime, maybe my second home would be there. If I ever have a second home. Don't count on that. Not in this economy. All right, one more. And this is a, would you say, Stefan, the bonafide superstar? You ha Correction, I, I said you had four, you had two more. So you guessed two, so you have two more now. So one is a bonafide superstar and one is a star or a rising star, I would like to say, in the last couple of years. Okay. All right. That's a fair enough. Uh, that's fair enough with a hint. Uh, Julio Rodriguez. Did he get the 30-30? He did not. All right. Jumped the gun a little bit. Oh, Jose Altuve. Really? Altuve never got the 30-30. That was the bona fide superstar. Wow. 
All right, I'm waving a white flag on this, Stefan. Tell me who these two guys are. I'm going to get annoyed already. Jose Ramirez. Who I always give as a freaking guess in trivia, and this is the actual time he's correct. So uh, shame on me. And the last one was Cedric Mullins. Cedric? See, I would have spent a long time, bud, trying to figure out Cedric Mullins. Long time. Long, 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 long time. So, uh, okay then. Cedric Mullins. Good job, Larry. And then the other one you gave me, on the note, 30 steal, 20 homer seasons last year. Now I'm going to throw out the Julio Rodriguez one. Mm. All right, I'm on the topic. Cedric Mullins? Mm. Oh, this is bad. Mookie Betts? All right, I, honestly, Stefan, I'm over it. I feel like I... See, the problem with Larry's trivia questions today, and Larry, this is a little feedback. I don't give you this much often, but I'm going to give you some feedback here. This is too much on a common theme with the stolen base guys. Give me a little diversity next time. Like, you give me the stolen bases, they give me strikeouts. You give me, you know, they, I, I'm thinking too much about the same guys. Who are the two guys, Stefan? Bobby Witt Jr. and Randy Never would have got it. And Randy Arose. Oh, my God. I would have been throwing guesses out till the cows come home. So, uh, Larry, you stumped me. Uh, I'll give you that. You stumped me. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, you have a Wednesday card of NBA, college basketball. The floor is yours, sir. Take it away. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Picks will be for tomorrow, Wednesday the 15th. We got two NBA plays for you. My first play, I'm going to take the Brooklyn Nets plus the one over the Miami Heat, and I'm going to take the Oklahoma City Thunder minus the eight and a half over the Houston Rockets. Again, I'm going to take the Brooklyn Nets plus the one, and I'm going to take the Oklahoma City Thunder minus the eight and a half, and everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. I'm actually going to go heads up with you on that particular play. I would take Miami in that game. And the reason I would take Miami is I think it's going to be a little bit of a feeling out process now for Brooklyn over these next few weeks trying to figure out who's who. And I know you could say, well, they got plenty of experience without Kevin Durant. That's true. They have plenty of experience without Kyrie Irving. But, you know, you're trying to integrate a bunch of new pieces, whether it's Bridges and and Cam Johnson. Uh, How about this Ben Simmons situation? What a disaster. What an absolute disaster. I mean, listen, it's tough buying into a guy who doesn't seem to love what he does. Maybe that's an unfair, unfair assessment and characterization of me looking at Simmons, but the amount of time he's missed, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to throw that out there. I don't know how much the guy loves playing basketball. So I know this, I wouldn't want him on my team. Fun pot. I think the football stuff, we got a ton of good stuff coming up Thursday and Sunday over the next few days. Thursday, I'll tease it now because it's coming. The doggy, Christopher Mad Dog Russo on Thursday. You're going to enjoy that. That's coming. I hope everybody enjoys their Wednesday. We'll be back on Thursday. And, you know, now that we're making this transition, I'm like in the lab looking at like college basketball futures. I might have thrown a bet or two on the Cy Young and the MVP already in Major League Baseball. I mean, listen, this is a good time to get you working. You know, I know a lot of people say this week, get away, blah, blah, blah. And I'll do a little of that. Don't you, uh, don't you worry. But I got to make sure I'm sharp for go time. And go time 
Unless he'll be here before you know it. Enjoy the good weather in New York. I mean, apparently it's just as nice in New York as it is on Arizona and California. So, bad luck, bad timing, I guess. On that note, good job by Stefan. I hope everybody enjoys uh, the time with the ladies or their significant other, whatever the case may be. Valentine's Day, catch those tickets. JJ out. Be good, everybody. <laughs>